The following episode of Rotten and Righteous deals with some mature themes and is not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Rotten and Righteous. She doth look verily attractive. <laughs> she, she doth look handsome. Welcome back to Rotten or Righteous, the only podcast that, unlike Rulon Jeffs, actually comes back from the dead. Hmm. Where have we been? I've been on... We've been going for like two months. I've been on paternity leave, and our listeners have had the best two months of their lives ever since. Paternity leave? Yes, my wife brought in a beautiful, bouncing baby boy who is just the spitting image of me which is unfortunate for him because he's going to peak at like three and then it's just downhill from there. (laughs) Wow. What a way to look at yourself, Zach. No, I know that for a fact. I got the trophies. I was, I was, uh, first runner up in the Ohio baby beauty pageant and went on to do some modeling for Disney as a, as a toddler. I know I peaked when I was, about three so this this is awesome so now that this is actually out to the public we can talk about this a little bit i mean i'm not i'm not hidden it i'm not hidden you know my wife's the lucky one really because when you think about it she can say i married a model (laughs) is that what she can say now i mean she i mean it's not lying (laughs) that's true it's not it's not. What's your husband do? Well, he used to be a model. Really? Anybody we know? Yeah, Disney when he was three. I mean, not only was I a model, but I was a model for a pretty prestigious company. Yes. But uh, uh, it's amazing that you didn't end up on like one of the teen shows. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I'll sum up my last two months with the following anecdote. Two weeks ago. It was the, yep, yeah, no, it was January 1st. I got up early. I was going to be on time for Sunday school, which is not something that I can say often because I have two tiny children and it's very difficult to get anywhere on time. Mm-hmm. But I got up early. I was going to go. Kelsey was still staying home with the baby. So it was just me and my, my five-year-old. And we were heading out the door a half an hour early, which is might as well be three days before I'm supposed to get there in my yeah. world. So we're out the you're going out the door. That's when I noticed the back of his head looks like a rat's nest. And I'm like, come on, we gotta go comb your hair real quick. So we go into the bathroom and uh I have this glass bottle filled with water that I use mm-hmm. to, if I need just a little spritz. Um, yeah. And it's a great glass bottle. It came from uh my wife, a long time ago, was trying to save the environment, so she bought like these glass bottles where you just fill with water and put little tabs of, of cleaner in them, and that way you can mm-hmm. save the environment. What, <clears throat> what I didn't know is that uh, she found some bathroom cleaner. Oh, no. Put it oh, in, no. Put it in a different glass bottle that I thought was my glass bottle. And so, 
long story short, I sprayed the back of my son's head with bathroom cleaner about 12 times uh, just to get it wet so I could comb it down. Uh, <laughs> so I ended up having to give him a bath <laughs> and I was late to church. So, <laughs> well, I mean, shoot, you got you got to bathe the kid. I'm just glad he didn't get burnt. Well, it luckily that we don't use this stuff anymore because it doesn't work, but it's also because it's plant-based and non-toxic, but still mm-hmm. I am glad that it was the back of his head that I sprayed, not his face, but still it was just, it's just been, it's just oh, been, uh, good stuff. uh, you know, two months of just diapers and pee and it's yeah, been, poop, not sleeping, screaming, feeding. It's just been Your a life's chaos right now. Yeah, it's, it's starting to slow down. He's getting to the age now where he's sleeping more and and whatnot. The best decision, young fathers, uh, is if you can. And I know that there are some people who can't, so I'm not saying that it's the only way. But the best decision that we made with this new child is to breastfeed. Because. Are you sore? I have yet to have my milk come in. So I can't handle uh, that particular workload. Now with Joseph, Kelsey was still in college, still in school. So I basically watched that kid by myself from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. when Kelsey got home from work and school uh, with Joseph. And so he was formula fed because that was the only choice we had. But I got to tell you, Scott, I haven't had to get up and feed him. Not once. Because I can't. It's great. I'm surprised she's not pumping and telling you, hey, milk's in the fridge. Go get it, big guy. Well, she does, but that's what I use in my coffee. So, Oh, yeah. I see your plan. That way, you can't get up in the middle of the night because it's already used. Right. So, uh, there's that. That disgusting image. But don't worry. The show's going to get even more disgusting. Yeah, that's right. That's the, that's not even close to the most disgusting thing we're going to talk about today. Well, the, the thing is, I learned also over my paternity leave that my wife does not listen to the show. And I asked her why. And she said, well, honey, it's because I only watch tr- or I only listen to true crime podcasts. Oh, no. And I said, well, I can do true crime. I mean, I just did MASH. So, it's basically the same. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> and, oh, man. And do you know, you know how... You're, you're sitting here... Do you know how many religious-themed true crime documentaries there are? There's a gazillion about the Mormons. The, this, this show will, will never have to end. And not only that, no. but we're in the middle of, of working on getting a new third host since Luke died in Albania uh, to a terrible werewolf attack. And our the guy we're talking to... Who knew to, Megan was going to turn like that? I know. It's... It, it was... It, it was terrible. But uh, the guy that we're talking to is a former uh, law enforcement person. So I think that he is really going to bring a lot of fun and joy and lighthearted attitude to the show. Uh, I say that facetiously because I'll be honest who we're talking to. I he love may arrest death. us. He's one of my best friends, 
but he is just so serious. He's so serious. Yeah. So I think it's going to bring a good uh, dynamic to the show. Well, we need someone on this show to be serious. Well, I'm certainly not serious, and I don't even know what you are. So I'm pretty serious, isn't it? So this week we're going to start a four-part uh, series on a uh, Netflix documentary on the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm weeping a little bit already, man. And you know it's going to be a good documentary when it starts out with Ephesians 5.22 out of context. When you <laughs> yes, bust out does. a good Ephesians 5.22 reference, husband or, or wives mm. be subject to your husbands and everything, you know it's going to be good. Mm. Oh, man. This is, this is, it's sad is what it is. It is just, it's really, really sad. It is a, it is sad and it is creepy. And we are going to try to find the humor in this the best way we can. (laughs) But listen, there is a reason why I put that viewer discretion or listener discretion as advised warning at the top of this episode. That wasn't a joke. I didn't put that in there for, for fun. I'm serious. If you got your kids in your car listening, you need to stop. Because uh, here's just, just a few things. Off. Here's just a few things we're going to be talking about: underage forced marriages, polygamy, and incest, grooming, brainwashing, just to name a few things. Those are just mm. a few topics in the first episode. And I watched the first ten minutes. I watched the second half of the second episode before I said, "You know, it's time to bring the podcast back." And I can only tell you that it just it doesn't get any better from here. You know, I miss the days of Tammy Faye when we were blessed. Yep. But listen, Scott. I'm going to forewarn you now. Your day's not going to be any better for listening to this. Absolutely not. We start off with the Wall family on July 4th, 1991. Now, listeners, please, if you're not driving, if you are driving, don't do what I'm about to tell you. But if you are not driving, close your eyes for a minute. And imagine a bunch of really strict Mormons having a 4th of July picnic. You have imagined exactly what we're seeing on the screen. Mm-hmm. You're right. Exactly. Homemade dresses, weird braided hair, bunch of kids, and a few parents. We're also introduced to two of the Wall children, Rebecca and Alyssa Wall. Alyssa Wall remembers that. Her childhood was a sheltered life, but a good life in the FLDS. That was before Warren Jeffs came into the picture. And I'm not going to lie, guys. We keep getting these home videos of the Wall family, and it is just about the creepiest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's just nothing but conga lines and homemade dresses. It's just so... Conga lines. (laughs) It is. I never thought of it being a conga line, but it's just... It's horrible. Well, what do you think? They, just, they, there is a literal conga line. They're just walking around, yeah. dancing with each other, just having a great time. And then oh. we're introduced to the family that uh, Alyssa and Rebecca grew up in. And I got to be honest with you, 
This is one of the wildest family trees that uh, I've ever seen in my life. But it's not <laughs> the wildest one in this episode. So Alyssa was her mother's 11th child. And her father's mm-hmm. 19th. You got a, you got some catching up to do, buddy. The Wall family patriarch is this gross guy. Matter of fact, I'm going to call him Gross Lloyd throughout the rest of this podcast. Named Lloyd Wall. His second wife, Rebecca, and Alyssa's mother is Sharon. In total, Sharon had 14 kids. And his first wife, Myrna, had nine kids. And Lloyd apparently didn't get any sleep. How in the world, how in the world do you bust out more than 20 kids? It's gross, Lloyd. It's gross. That's too many kids. You realize generations from now, the implications of Lloyd Wall? America is not a better place for it. We're all going to be related to Lloyd Wall somehow. (laughs) And that's probably what he wanted. Now, here's the grossest thing about this, okay? Lloyd was not born into the FLDS, but converted. He was just a normal Mormon dude. Married Myrna, his high school sweetheart, and then somehow convinced his wife (laughs) to leave the Mormon church and join the FLDS and accept hey, I want <laughs> and accept polygamy that's the biggest thing about the FLDS I, I is, out, is plural marriage go ahead scott i want to point out how dysfunctional this show is because you just refer to this guy as a used to be a normal mormon dude <laughs> he was he's just just your regular everyday mormon and then he was like, you know, those Mormons, well, they're not strict enough to Joseph Smith's teachings because they're not polygamists. Hey, Myrna, I don't know if you know this, but I'm going to go join this church where I'm going to get multiple wives. You okay with that? Myrna, at first, wants nothing to do with this church. I'm pretty sure deep down inside, we see Myrna and Lloyd today as two older old couples. Myrna hates Lloyd's guts, especially, and she especially hates Sharon. Yeah, and- how can how can you not? I mean, how how can you not? Well, and it was funny. You'll probably get to this. I'm jumping ahead. But, you know, in the interview, he's like, yeah, we had some pretty good years. And she was like, no, not really. No, no, we didn't have any good years, Lloyd. You nasty. No, no, no we didn't. And he's like, oh, well, two wives living in that same house. We had 30 good years together. They were good years. For me. Oh, uh, they were rocky. You know? Two women and <laughs> one house. Yeah, they were rocky. So let's back up a little bit. What is the FLDS? Like I said, they are the fundamentalist church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. And they are Mormons who honestly are simply following the teachings of Joseph Smith. The thing that disturbs mm-hmm. me is. As a a Church of Christ minister, I think that, for lack of a better terms, I could be described as a fundamentalist. I'm not a legalist, but I do want to see religion stripped down to its bare bones 
take away all the man-made traditions, and simply follow the Bible the way that the Bible says. Amen. That's what the fundamentalists are doing in the FLDS. They are stripping down Mormonism to Joseph mm-hmm. Smith's original teachings. And that is why Mormonism is so just infuriating to me. Because they're like, oh, we used to be polygamists, but we uh, swore off of that. You can't, but but that's the, your founder, your founder, Joseph Smith, yeah. said that polygamy was all right. If you are following your religion as closely as I follow my religion, you have to accept polygamy. And Polygamists why? and Mormonism go hand in hand, period. Yes. And the problem is, as we're kind of into the religious aspect, it's not based on the Bible. No. It's based it's on even, his craziness. Not only that, but it's not even based on the Book of Mormon, Scott. But here's yeah. the thing. Joseph Smith was the prophet, and the Mormons believe that the prophet, whoever it is, speaks directly to God. Joseph Smith, mm-hmm. at some point in their pilgrimage out to Utah, found another woman that he was like, hmm. She doth look verily attractive. <laughs> she, she doth look. She doth look handsome. Thine is a handsome woman. I wisheth to seek succor and warmth at your bosom. And so he goes to his wife and goes, "Hey, guess what? I, I just had a vision." Turns out, God wants me to marry more than one woman. And his wife's like, no, 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 Joseph. No, he didn't. Then he's like, oh, please. And then she's like, oh, fine. Fineth. So Joseph Smith said that God told him that he wanted to have plural marriages. As a matter of fact, Lloyd, who is gross, again, gross Lloyd, says, and I quote, according to my understanding of the Bible, plural wives is the whole picture that Christ was after. Yes, and and why? Remember, for what reason? Their argument is that the patriarchs, Abraham, had more than one wife. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. God David, clearly Solomon. wanted that to happen. Now, we could get into yeah. the, the, the theology behind this and the fact that God tolerated plural marriages in the Old Testament and didn't uh, prefer them. But to say that that's the whole picture that Christ was after, Lloyd, have you read the Gospels? <laughs> Because I have. My guess is, hadn't even taken a glimpse at him if that's I what have you got. Several times. And I got to tell you, he talks about marriage in Matthew 19. But to say it's the whole picture he was after is insane. It, and at some time, Zach, during the next four weeks, four episodes, I want us to talk about the brainwashing aspect. Oh, we'll of definitely. These people. We'll, de- we'll get into that to, a little bit today. Yeah, so, okay, because I don't, I can't grasp, even outside of this show, how somebody can be led like that. And doesn't make, we need to explore that a little. It doesn't make any sense. So, one day, Myrna and a newly converted Lloyd head to, to church. And the prophet, a man by the name of Rulon Jeffs, tells Gross Lloyd that he's going to marry Sharon. That he had a vision 
and Sharon's supposed to be Lloyd's wife, and that night, they're married. And I gotta tell you, Gross Lloyd's pumped. He's like, all right, sweet. This is, this is totally the reason why I got into this. Because let's be honest, Gross Lloyd, that's why you got into this church. Not because you believed it, but because you wanted some hanky-panky with multiple women. You're gross. Because you're a pervert. Gross Lloyd's a pervert. So, basically, at this point, the FLDS church shuts themselves off from society. Because even they understood that what they were doing was illegal and wrong, and they had to keep their lifestyle a secret. Enter U.S. Attorney Robert Hook, who basically tells us that the U.S. government could really care less about polygamy. If you want to say that you're married to two women, and you have two women living in your house, the U.S. government's not going to touch you. They don't care. They don't want to break up families. Their biggest problem with the Mormon church or the FLDS isn't the polygamy. It's the fact that they're polygamists in a shut-off society. Because when you are shut off from the entire world and have no oversight, that's when closed-off religious organizations that are controlled by men start to do secondary crimes. Then we meet Wallace Jeffs, who is the son of Rulon Jeffs and the brother of Warren Jeffs, who we'll get to in just a moment. Wallace Jeffs tells us that the FLDS women are basically seen as, as he puts it, chattel or livestock, their property to be owned and traded by the men in the church. Now, I'll be honest with you, I like Wallace. I want to be friends with Wallace. He's just a good-hearted cattle farmer that likes to laugh at his goofy cows. But so it's what he does. He's just in his tractor driving around. He's like, ha, look at that stupid cow. I'm going to eat him later. And I'm like, ah, Wallace. <laughs> which is very, which is very Old Testament-like. I mean, they were just... What, eating cows? I eat know, cows. Eating, eating, eating cow. Women were property. Right. I mean, they were just, they were just property. Now that, I wouldn't say that's Old Testament. I think that's ancient times. I think the Bible protects women and gives them more rights than they would have had otherwise, but we can get to that later. Now, Wallace is really the one who's here to, to break down the theology of the FLDS. <clears throat> Rulon Jeffs taught that in order to get to the highest level of heaven, or what Wallace calls the celestial kingdom, not celestial, but celestial kingdom, celestial, you needed to have at least three wives. If you died with three wives, then in the next life you basically become a god. Of course, the wives, there's no information about what happens to the wives other than they stay married to, to you. Rebecca then tells us that a man's status in the FLDS was dependent on the number of wives that you had. Now, Gross Lloyd has been in the church at this point for a couple of years, he was a successful businessman. He had tons of money that he gave to the church. And he felt that he deserved more than his two wives. But he wasn't getting them. So he was a little bit mad. But the silver lining is, Gross Lloyd had lots of daughters who could be given to other men in the church, and they could just be traded like baseball cards. I'll give you two, two daughters for a wife. <laughs> then we meet the <laughs> prophet. The Pope of the FLDS Church, the head honcho, the paterfamilias, 
Rulon Jeffs. What 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 adjectives you got for him? I mean, you've already used creepy. I don't I don't even have anything. I'm just glad he's dead. All right. Uh, I don't know why I'm laughing, but I mean, it's true. It's true. So, we're still in the early 90s, and the members of the church are told that Rulon is immortal. That he would never die. That he was all-knowing. And because he was all-knowing, he arranged all the marriages in the church. Seriously, in this organization, nobody dates. Nobody courts. You go to this creepy old man. Or do they have any clue about anything related we'll get, to sexual we'll, activity until we'll, we'll get to that in a they second. They meet the Godfather. We'll get to that in a second. But literally, when you came of age as a woman, the only redeeming pro- or thing about Rulon is he think I, I it seems that he waited till the girls were at least eighteen before he married them off. But when a girl was of age, they would go to or her parents would take her to Rulon and Rulon would arrange their marriage. Now we're still with Rebecca Wall. When Rebecca was 19, Gross Lloyd brought his daughter to Rulon and Rulon said, "Guess what, Rebecca? Prophet spoke to me or God spoke to me and you're supposed to be my wife." Ugh. At this point, Gross Lloyd was pumped. What an honor to have my 19-year-old daughter marry this 85-year-old man. She's 19. And Lloyd was happy that he married his 19-year-old little girl off to an 85-year-old pervert. And you know what? Gross Lloyd finally got his third wife. Because of this. so he's Because of that, a, yeah. Because he's happy as a clam. It's at this it point that we meet... a little more strange. It's at this point that we meet Alicia Robach, who is 20 years old when she marries Rulon when he was 86. Alicia was the 23rd wife of Rulon Jeffs. She and Rebecca then go on to explain their relationship with this old pervert. And I do want to warn you again that what they tell us is disgusting. Prior to their marriage night, there has been no physical contact whatsoever between the husband and the wife. Rulon was Alicia's first kiss. And she describes it like this old man was trying to suck her face in and it disgusted her. And she began to realize the nightmare that she got herself into. The wives of Rulon were not allowed to go to work or go to school. Their only job was to pray, be obedient and adore Rulon at all times. Every night, all of Rulon's wives were forced to line up, go into his room and kiss him. And say good night, Rulon. And every night, Rulon would pick one of his wives to quote do a little love making 
Keep in mind that Rebecca and Alicia were raised in a very, very closed-off society. Neither one of them understood how babies were made up to this point. Rebecca says that she just thought they, they came into your belly through kissing. In their first introduction to the act of a physical relationship, or relationship between husband and a wife was a gross octogenarian rolling on top of them. <clears throat> then, as if that wasn't gross enough, Alicia explains how on their first night together, she's sleeping next to this creepy old wrinkled fart, and he starts elbowing her, saying, hey, I gotta go pee! <laughs> can't get to the bathroom. And so Roland's an old, old man, so he can't walk. They walk together to the bathroom. <clears throat> Roland doesn't make it. Just pees all over his old self. And Alicia, on the first night that she was with her husband, had to use a blow dryer to dry the pee off this old pervert. Now, Rebecca, on the other hand... That's 20 years of therapy right there. It's just... Now, Rebecca, on the other hand, was crafty. And she was able to avoid Rulon's advances for a while. Whenever she was picked uh, to spend the night with Rulon, she would just rub his feet until he fell asleep. But, of course, that plan didn't always work. Mm. Rulon had a motto for the girls in the FLDS, what he called, keep sweet. Keep sweet, no matter what. That's the road to perfection. And at this point, we're back with Myrna, Myrna Wall. She just loved Keep Sweet. She just thought Keep Sweet was the cutest thing. Oh, Ruan had had keep sweet on the bottom of his boots. What an adorable little creepy old pedophilic pervert. Mm, I'm, I'm getting angry, Scott. I'm getting angry. I want to punch an old I, dead man in the face. And he's not even the on worst. The bottom of his feet. <laughs> that, that, yeah, I know. <laughs> but hang on, there's more. Yeah, keep sweet on the bottom of his shoes. He's all perched up in his, in his chair with his legs kicked up. And I'm like, that is so stupid. This whole thing. How? Again, I don't know how there's not been an uprising. You just start killing people. No, because men are getting what they want, Scott. Mm, but the women aren't. The women are brainwashed from an early age to keep sweet. Now let's mm-hmm. keep from sweet. Time they're born. Uh, keep sweet essentially means that women are not supposed to show any negative emotion, especially towards their husbands. They are to keep sweet at all times. Now, Roland is happy to go along with this philosophy, this keep sweet. But the real proponent of keep sweet wasn't Roland, but Roland's son, Warren Jeffs. We're back with good old Wallace, Warren's little brother, and one of Warren's 62 siblings. Roland Jeffs had 62 children. Seriously, let that sink in. 62. You've got catching up to do. I'm fine with two. Roland can beat me. 
Wallace tells us that from an early age, Warren was pushed by his mother, Marilyn, to become Roland's second-in-command. She did this by exploiting the fact that Warren was born eight weeks premature. Marilyn says that Warren was close to death, but then she was visited by past prophets of the LDS and told her that Warren would survive and he was going to be special. And Roland bought into this story hook, line, and sinker. So Warren was raised his entire life to believe that he was the best of all the prophet's children. Now, Rebecca doesn't hold back here. She basically tells us that she thought there was really nothing special about Warren. He's like, he was there. I mean, he was kind of awkward yeah, and dorky. Kid. He was good at math. And our tr- first real taste of Warren, he gets up and he sings a hymn. I'm going to let you listen to it now. I desire here today to sincerely point the way. Warren compared to his brothers, he was not anything to write home about. I mean, pretty smart. He could do math. I learned to do algebra from him. You know what makes me the maddest about this documentary, Scott? And I'll be honest, this is this is probably what makes me the most mad. The abuse no. of a fine country song. No. What makes me mad is that I was expecting him to get up there and just it'd be the most awkward little singing performance ever. He's really not a bad singer. He can carry a tune. Yep. He's probably the best uh, the best pedophile singer I've ever heard. And exactly how many pedophile singers have you heard? Uh, so far, one. One. <laughs> We also learn that Warren was a natural-born manipulator. And he also had an inappropriate close relationship with his sisters, which Rulon chose to ignore even though his other sons reported Warren's behavior. And then we're told about the school that the Jeffs ran. Remember what it was called, Scott? No. It was called the Alta Academy. It was a brainwashing school that trained mm-hmm. FLDS children to be good FLDS kids. And they did well at it. Warren, on Roland's recommendation, was made principal of this school. And when Warren realized that he found, or that he had authority, he exploited it. Soon after his promotion, Warren removed all books in the library that were not FLDS written. Textbooks had sections removed that Warren didn't like. And I'm not talking about just, you know, uh, the, the theory of evolution here. He, he ripped out sections of science books that taught about the solar system. Mm-hmm. And of course, every single uh, uh, lesson on the reproductive system was also removed. He also created a curriculum that was specifically targeted at the little girls in the FLDS that essentially taught them not to have thoughts and to be fully focused on obeying the prophet. That was their only job. If they wanted to get to heaven, they had to listen to everything the prophet, Rulon Jeffs at this point, had to say. <laughs> I wonder what the issue was with the, with the universe. What do Mormons believe, you know, about, about the universe? And, uh, um, they've got some different beliefs. 
Who knows? Mormon cosmology teaches that the Earth is not unique, but it is one of the many inhabited planets. Each planet created for the purpose of bringing about the immortality of eternal life, uh, i.e. the exaltation of humanity. Uh, These worlds were, according to doctrine created by Jehovah, the pre-mortal Jesus. That's Uh, So if they learn that... uh there's eight other planets, counting Pluto, besides Earth, and our, just yeah. in our solar system that doesn't have life on it, then the doctrine of Mormonism just goes right out the window. Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, just... So again, August 6th, good day. Roland Jeffs has a massive stroke. But it's also a bad day, because Warren uses this opportunity to begin to seize power from his father. Warren began to control who was able to see Rulon, and began to give personal orders in Rulon's name. He also began to preach nothing but fire and brimstone to the church, and he began to say that he had revelations that the end was near. Prepare ye, for the great day of judgment is upon us, and those judgments are going to be furious. All of you are not going to survive. You see, the FLDS believed that the world would catch fire, except for one piece of Earth, which will be lifted up. (laughs) And basically, if you weren't a faithful FLDS member, and you weren't at the place of the Earth that's going to be lifted up, you were going to burn in a fire. You're doomed. doomed. when was this fire going to take place? Well... Of course, during the 2002 Winter Olympics, which were held in Salt Lake City. So, the world's going to end. The Winter Olympics, 2002, Salt Lake City. Warren taught the entire church that he had been told where this piece of land that was going to be lifted up out of the fire was located. And it was this remote town out in the desert called Short Creek. Now, Short Creek was founded by fundamentalists in the 30s. And it was great because Warren could control everything and there was really no outside interaction at all. So the FLDS members sold their homes and businesses and moved to Short Creek on Warren Jeff's orders. Now, of course, Warren just wanted everyone in one place so that controlling them would be easier. When the Mm -hmm. world didn't end... Warren panicked that people were going to call him on his lies. How did he get out of this? Shock, shock. He just said, guys, good news. I talked to God and he said that he wasn't going to destroy the world because we're not good enough to be lifted up on a piece of land while the whole world burns. And so he's going to give us more time so that we could become even more perfect. He intentionally made the members of the church feel like they were never good enough. That they always had to do more to please the prophet. Always had to do more to please God. On September 8th, 2002, the unthinkable happened. Rulon Jeffs died. Rulon's wives... Shock, shock. ...were, of course, completely confused. Rulon wasn't supposed to die. He was immortal. He was supposed to be reborn as a young man. Come in there and give them all babies. And I wish I was making that up, but that's literally what they were taught, that Roland Jeffs was going to be reborn and come in the door and impregnate all his wives. 
oh, verbatim the, what they said in the show. By the way, when Roland died, he had accumulated 65 wives. So Roland dies, and the church was lost and confused. Again, Roland wasn't supposed to die. He was immortal. He was the prophet that was to bring them into the new millennium. And if he did die, he comes back. But the good news is, Roland does come back, or at least Warren Jeff says that he came back, and he, his father's soul came back and inhabited Warren's body. Now, of course, some of the church are a little skeptical of this, because, well, Warren did just say that the world was going to end, and uh, so far, I mean, we're in 2023 now, uh, and the world's still here. And so they were a little skeptical. So what does Warren do? He goes to Roland's widows, these poor brainwashed women who married an old, old, old crusty fart and convinced them to validate his claims that Warren was the next prophet. So in the end, Warren got what he wanted. He became the prophet of a group of people who believed that he alone was their guide to heaven. And he took that faith, turned it into power, money, and sex, and the FLDS church followed him right off a cliff. Not slowly. As fast as they could go. And guys, we're just getting started. So glad we decided to keep doing this show. Yeah, boy. I feel great about my day. I just... Why? Why would you want... Why would you want three wives? Why would you want two wives? I got enough problems with one. And you've met my wife. She would kill whoever would be my other wife. I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't even know. I don't. I don't even know. I don't know. And here's the thing. I can understand the brainwashing as it starts from an early age with these kids. But somehow, back the line. That's like creepy. What's his name? Creepy what? Uh, Oh, yeah. Creepy Lloyd. Creepy Lloyd. I mean, there had to be some brainwashing there. And then... I don't think there was, Scott. You tell a man, hey, are you tired of your wife? You see all these pretty young girls around here, and you're sad because you're stuck with your wife who is aging as rapidly as you are? What if I told you that if you come here, give me a little bit of money, I can get you a a, a brand new 20-year-old wife? Wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it either. Of course I wouldn't do it. But if you have that sexual pro- or proclivity, that's of course true. You're if you're going to take yeah, advantage of that. Got an addiction, man. Well, at the end of the day, it it just the whole point of this is that there was a bunch of gross men who used false teachings in the first place of the Mormon Church to mm-hmm. brainwash girls who were who grew up not knowing any better because they were cut off from society that the way to get to heaven is to marry whoever the prophet chose for you it's it's so stupid it's so stupid 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know. We'll talk about this more next week, of course. Um, yeah. But, but before we go, hey Scott. <laughs> yeah, Zach. <laughs> what do you get when you cross a Jehovah Witness and a Mormon? I don't know. Neither do I, but I can't get it off my porch. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. (laughs) 